Good morning, good morning. How are we doing? Beautiful Tuesday morning. I really wanted to say Sunday morning there in a little denial. But the honest truth is we skipped two days again this week. We're going to get to the hang of this. You know, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. Solo act, solo act, no producer. And I used to think that those names there were just to, to add credits to the end of different programs. But the honest truth is, is that coming up with different ideas and sourcing them and cutting them and et cetera, it's very time consuming, very time consuming, making notes so as not to read out too much of an article, et cetera. Very time consuming. So, uh, and, and I suffer a little bit of, of, from perfectionism, a little bit. Uh, you know, you always want to make sure an idea comes out, uh, is, 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 is discussed and expressed in the most, uh, simple manner possible. You know, not to oversimplify, but at the same time, you don't want it to sound overly complex. You want to try to get to the substance. And for all those reasons, things take a lot of time. Things take a lot of time. You know, okay, let's not, let's not get off topic here, right? <laughs> we're going to start, we're going to start here from scratch. Today we're going to, there are a lot of different topics we got to, we have to, we have to discuss, but one of them for sure, so much to talk about is this term gaslighting. We're going to introduce this term gaslighting and, and from here on we might, you know, we might mention it again for new listeners. But we're not going to give the same background. We'll just refer to it. So I found an article here, and I don't know where this article is from because even the person who cited it doesn't know where it's from. Uh, but but let's uh, let's give a little background to what gaslighting is. Gaslighting by an unknown author. The term originates in the system in the systematic psychological manipulation of a victim by her husband in Patrick Hamilton's 1938 stage play. Gaslight, and the film adaptations released in 1940-1944. In the story, the husband attempts to convince his wife and others that she is insane by by manipulating small elements of their environment and insisting that she is mistaken, remembering things incorrectly or delusional when she points out these changes. The play's title alludes to how the abusive husband slowly dims the gas lights in their home while pretending nothing has changed in an effort to make his wife doubt her own perceptions. The wife repeatedly asks her husband to confirm her perceptions about the dimming lights, but in defiance of reality, he keeps insisting that the lights are the same and instead it is she who is going insane. Today we are living in a perpetual state of gaslighting. The reality is that we are being told by the media what we are what we are being told by the media is at complete odds with what we are seeing with our own two eyes. And when we question the false reality that we are being presented or we claim that what we see is that actual reality we are vilified as racists or bigots or just plain crazy. Conspiracy theorists, I'm adding in. You're not racist. You're not crazy. You're being gaslighted. New York State has twice as many deaths from COVID-19 than any other state. And New York has accounted for one-fifth 
of all COVID-19 deaths. But we are told that New York governor, who we call the New York murderer, Andrew Cuomo, has handled the pandemic better than any other governor. But if we support policies of governors whose states had only a fraction of the infections and deaths as New York, we are called anti-science and we want people to die. So we ask, so we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No. You are being gaslighted. We see mobs of people looting stores, smashing windows, setting cars on fire and burning down buildings. But we are told that these demonstrations are peaceful. Peaceful protests. And when we call this destruction of our cities riots, we are called racists. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No, you're being gaslighted. We see the major problem destroying many inner cities is crime, murder, gang violence, drug dealing, drive-by shootings, armed robbery. But we are told that it's not a crime. The police that are the problem in the inner cities. We are told we must defend, defund the police and remove law enforcement from crime-riddled cities to make them safer. But if we advocate for more policing in cities overrun by crime, we are accused of being white supremacists and racists. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No. You're being gaslighted. The United States of America accepts more immigrants than any other country in the world. The vast majority of the immigrants are people of color. And these immigrants are enjoying freedom and economic opportunity not available to them in their country of origin. But we are told the United States is the most racist and oppressive country on the planet. And if we discuss, and if we disagree, we are called racist and xenophobic. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No, you're being gaslighted. Capitalist countries are the most prosperous countries in the world. The standard of living is the highest in capitalist countries. We see more people we see more poor people move up the economic ladder to the middle of the, even the wealthy class through their effort and ability in capitalist countries than any other economic system in the world. But we are told capitalism is an oppressive system designed to keep people down. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No, you're being gaslighted. Communist countries killed over 100, 100 million people in the 20th century. Communist countries strip their citizens of basic human rights, dictate every aspect of their lives, treat their citizens as slaves, and drive their economies into the ground. But we are told that communism is the fairest, most equitable, equitable, freest, and most prosperous economic system in the world. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No, you're being gaslighted. The most egregious example of gaslighting is the concept of white fragility. You spend your life trying to be a good person, trying to treat people fairly and with respect. You disavow racism and bigotry in all its forms. You judge people solely on the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. You don't discriminate based on race or ethnicity. But you are told you're a racist, not because of something you did or said, but solely because of the color of your skin. You know instinctively that charging someone with racism because of their skin color is itself racist. You know that you are not racist, so you defend yourself and your character. But you are told that your defense of yourself is proof of your racism. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No. You are being gaslighted. Gaslighting has become one of the most pervasive and destructive tactics in American politics. It is the exact opposite 
of what our political system was meant to be. It deals in lies and psychological coercion and not the truth and intellectual discourse. If you ever ask yourself if you're crazy, you are not. Crazy people aren't sane enough to ask themselves if they're crazy. So trust yourself. Believe what's in your heart. Trust your eyes over what you are told. Never listen to the people who tell you that you are crazy because you are not. You are being gaslighted. There are, this, this article goes on. This article goes on. Um, you know, someone asked me recently, he said, I asked him, I said, you know, you have the privilege that you read English. This person is from some, uh, he's not an American, but I saw him in a store here recently. I don't, never met him. I just start, start, struck up a conversation. I said, you have the privilege you get to read English. He said, so? I said, well, what that does is it gives you information that people are deprived because everything they're hearing is through some sort of source, some, some through, through some sort of inter- interpreter, in essence, who decides exactly what they get to hear. You get to hear from the source. He said, yeah, but how do you know it's true? How do you know it's true? So it's a very, it's a very dis, uh, uh, decent question. It's, 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 a, it's a very legitimate question. How do you know it's true? Well, ask yourself, does this make sense? Obviously, you're not a, an expert in everything. You don't have to be. But you're allowed to ask yourself that question. And if it doesn't make sense to you, just because every single person is doing it doesn't make it right. We are of a very uh, selective group in the world. We Torah Jews represent possibly one of the most one of the one of, one of the smallest percentages of any you know uh, for sure of any worldwide religion. We 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 span the entire earth. Today's Gemara, today's Gemara, and and Psachim says exactly that: the idea that God wanted to protect us, in essence, from ever being able to be annihilated, that we weren't in one one place, bar for potentially Purim. But the point is, is that we are the most uh, we represent. Point zero 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 zero. You can add a number of zeros there. And we are literally on the other side. That's what Avram Ivri. We are literally on the other side when it comes to uh, ideas. We are contrarians. We told the whole. We tell the whole world, and even within our, even within the the broad Jewish definition, we tell the millions of other Jews who consider themselves to be Jewish that they themselves have it wrong. We have no problem being contrarians. We have no problem being contrarians. Why all of a sudden? Do we question ourselves? Especially when we know, we know that, that there's, there, there's too many questions. There's just too many questions. And this is, you know, look, there's, there's, this is also part of the reason why they want to, uh, they want to eliminate free speech. You know, we're not going to get into all these ideas right now, but one of the reasons why they want to eliminate free speech is, is so that people think that they are alone. They are alone. You are the only one who thinks this. This is why I oppose the mask. Because you walk outside and every single person you see has bought in. As far as you're concerned, you're the only one who's questioning. So if that's the case, what am I questioning? What am I questioning? How is it possible 
that I'm the only one who's questioning. Does it, it can't be. I must be, I must be, um, I must be wrong. If everybody else, if everybody else believes something, how could it be that I'm wrong? This is why they want to eliminate free speech, free speech. You have to be able to speak only what, what they tell you you can believe, you can say. So this is the term gaslighting, gaslit, gaslighted, lighted, different ways to express it, discuss it, but we're going to use this term a lot because this sums up everything around us right now. Murderer Cuomo, Murderer Cuomo. So we're going to be fo- we're going to shift our focus now to Murderer Cuomo because he is he is in the spotlight again. You know, it's not a this time it's not a bad thing. This time is actually a very good thing. Why is he in the spotlight? He's in the spotlight because one of his aides, he's actually his probably probably one could be one could call her his closest aide uh was was caught telling people democrat lawmakers in the state of New York that the reason that they actually had covered up the nursing home death data out of fear it would be used against us by the department of justice melissa de rosa melissa de rosa who is Melissa DeRosa? Cornell University grad with a bachelor's degree in industrial and labor relations and a master's in public administration. DeRosa earlier attended the private all-girls Emma Willard School outside Albany. Her classmates there included Representative Elise Stefanik, also of New York, who in 2017 DeRosa attended her wedding. Melissa DeRosa's admission on nursing home cover up sparks calls for probe and Cuomo's prosecution, including by her friend, Elise Stefanik. An outspoken Cuomo critic said both he, DeRosa, and other senior officials must be prosecuted and immediately, must be prosecuted immediately by both the general, Attorney General of New York State and the U.S. Department of Justice. <clears throat> Cuomo's, Cuomo's special counsel, Beth Garvey, defended her co-worker, telling the Post, Melissa is one of the smartest, hardest working and most dedicated public servants I have ever worked for, worked with, full stop. Cuomo won't abandon her, one source said. Team Cuomo dismissed the criticism of DeRosa. Whoever you're speaking to has no idea what they're talking about and sounds like they have an axe to grind, said Cuomo spokesman Peter Ajimian. I don't pronounce that exactly. A-J-E-M-I-A-N. Could be the J is uh, silent. The top aide to Governor, Governor Cuomo, whose recorded remarks revealed by the Post have landed them both in hot water, is a trusted confidant who has worked for him nearly a decade and at one point even took home a heftier paycheck. Melissa DeRosa was hired by Cuomo in 2013 after earlier jobs as acting chief of staff. <clears throat> Being for, for Attorney General, ex-Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, 
Being named Cuomo's communications director boosted her annual salary from 115 to 158,000, according to data payroll, payroll data. In 2017, DeRosa, the middle child of leading Albany lobbyist Georgia DeRosa, was promoted to secretary to the governor, making her the first woman to hold the powerful position. And she is, which she officially ranks as number one on Cuomo's staff. DeRosa's salary for the fiscal year of 2019, the most recently available, was 206,000. 510 compared to 200,000 for Cuomo. So she was making more money than him, whose salary rose to 225,000 for the fiscal year of 2020 and then 250,000 for the fiscal year of 2021. He's making sure he gets paid big bucks. Big bucks. A source who is frequent, who has frequent contact with both DeRosa and Cuomo said Melissa is very fiercely loyal and protective of the governor. She's tough and puts on a good act, the source said. She can be very tough to deal with. DeRosa is feared. If you cross her, you're crossing the government. Another source said they've been hooked at the hip during the pandemic. So this is somebody who would definitely know. She would definitely know if something was amiss when it came to the numbers. She would definitely know. So why now? Well, somebody leaked it. This comment she had made, she had made this comment, uh, in, in, you know, talking to, to the, to the, uh, lawmakers of, of New York. And somebody there, I guess, you know, maybe they still have a conscience. Somebody still has a conscience. And so they, uh, they leaked this, they leaked this, uh, this, uh, statement. Now, um, <clears throat> we have a couple clips here. We have a couple clips here. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to say. There's a lot to say, a lot to discuss about this exact, um, there's a lot to say and a lot to discuss about, about this, about this issue. Let us, let us take a, a trip down memory lane and we're going to play a clip here of what happened when, um, when the media talked, how the media talked about Cuomo. Let's listen to this. This is the media. Their love affair was Andrew Cuomo. The media coverage. David, we're sitting by for Governor Cuomo's press conference, his daily briefing. How would you contrast Cuomo and President Trump's handling of the crisis? Truth versus mendacity. Governor Cuomo um, out there day after day after day. Everything Trump isn't honest, direct, brave. Real leadership of the kind the president of the United States should have provided. Governor Cuomo is clearly living in a totally different reality, the actual one, than the president of the United States. Governor Cuomo has become a national leader. For a lot of people, Andrew Cuomo has become the leader of the Democratic Party. He is conveying incredible strength. You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that, if I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you would sending soldiers off to war. This has been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. He's providing hope but not false hope. Governor Cuomo, no. I think, is, is, is one of the heroes on, on the front lines. With all of this adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? Wow. Wow. Are you thinking of running for president? Are you thinking of running for president, Mr. Cuomo? I don't know. But with all of this love, 
Remember, he was he received an Emmy. He received an Emmy for his his press conferences. Now, what's 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 egregious? What's what's you know is we're being gaslit. We're being gaslit. We're being told that he is the greatest governor. That's what they told us. Compare him to DeSantos. We're going to compare a little to DeSantos. DeSantos. We're going to compare a little. But what did Cuomo say when he was asked about the value of life? Let's play this little clip here. What did Cuomo say when he was asked about the value of life? Can anyone remember what the value of life is to Andrew Cuomo? Challenge the idea that we should sacrifice. Yeah, the average of life. What is the fundamental question? which we're not articulating, is how much is a human life worth? That's the real discussion that no one is admitting openly or freely, but we should. To me, I say cost of human life, a human life is priceless, period. Amazing. Priceless. That is what he said about human life. Human life is priceless according to Andrew Cuomo. That's why he took such care. He took such care in making sure that every life was saved. That's exactly why he did it. Because human life is priceless. To save every single human life is worth it. Every single human life. There's no price to pay. There's no, there's no limit to what we can pay to save one human life. There's another quote here that I want to try to quickly find. I had it. I don't know why I can't find it now. But before that, okay. So, most poll, the most the most vulnerable group of people were the exact people that Andrew Cuomo killed. Now let's not talk. Let's not act as though he's the only one. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there were other governors who did similar things. They almost all have a prominent D next to their name. Newsom of California, Murphy of New Jersey, Wolf of Pennsylvania. The numbers in Pennsylvania are about 68% of nursing home deaths. Cuomo, Whitmer in, in, uh, in, uh, Whitmer in, uh, Detroit, in Michigan. And of course, as, as Mark Stein pointed out, let's not forget Baker of New Hampshire, although he does have a, a, a an R next to his name. He as well did the exact same thing. He as well did the exact same thing. So, so you know, it's not it's not it's not exclusive. It's not exclusive to to Democrats, but unfortunately, it definitely is more prevalent. They definitely feel as though they are not going to have the same scrutiny. They definitely feel as though they can get away with a lot more. That definitely seems to be true. So. So what exactly, what exactly, it's one clip I'm just trying to find as I'm, I don't know where it went. <clears throat> now, we're told that the government has our interest at heart, right? The government must have our interest at heart. So how could they have, how could they have deliberately tried to harm the most vulnerable, the most vulnerable group? You know, it's a funny thing. We say that we don't know anything about this virus. We know nothing about this virus. And yet, that doesn't mean that what we do know isn't true. 
we do we did know from a very early state stage that every single that, that, that there are there are vulnerable groups there are all there are there are vulnerable people here the elderly are the most vulnerable so what could be a rationale what could be a rationale to explain how governor cuomo of new york the murderer has so cavalierly been willing to sacrifice so I heard an interesting theory. I heard an interesting theory. And that is that in the first two weeks, the, in the first two weeks, the only measure that governors were being, were being, um, measured by was, was, the only measure was how, how, how much, how many people were in your hospitals and whether, whether or not your hospitals were overwhelmed. That's the, that's the, that was the only measure. If your hospitals were not overwhelmed, so then you were considered to be a good governor. And if your hospitals were overwhelmed, Stephen Crowder suggested this, then it means that you were a bad governor. So you think about the fact that somebody is, who has national political interests, is potentially willing to put to, to, to kill people just for their own pers- you know their own political aspirations ambitions that's a that's a pretty scary thought could it be that simple could be it could be that simple it could be that it's all about you know it was all just about that that measure they all you know that was the only thing that was being engaged and if you weren't if you weren't um if you weren't, um, <clears throat> if you weren't, if your hospitals were not overwhelmed, if there was no congestion, then you would be seen as a great governor. Could be, could be. It's true. Um, but I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not prepared to to accept that so simply. I'm not prepared to accept that so simply. I want to ask another question though, because. The other, there's another argument to be made that this decision, and it would work for a few of the governors, it wouldn't work for all of them. It would work for most, but not for Whitmer. But the argument, this is the only argument for Whitmer. The only argument that makes sense for Whitmer is, is, is what we just said, that, that, that they really wanted to just try to keep the hospitals clear so as to appear that they were doing a good job. But there is, there is an, another question, and that is, one of the theories, one of the theories is that they wanted, they didn't want the hospitals to be filled with older people simply because if they are filled with older people, well, that means that younger people will be refused from the hospital. And if younger people are refused from the hospital, that means the younger people are going to die potentially, at the expense of older people. And therefore, they basically turned a blind eye and they forced the nursing homes to take in all the COVID-19 patients knowing exactly what that was going to do. But to them, they were saving lives. They were saving young people because they knew that they were of limited capacity in the hospital. And they didn't want, they didn't want there to be 
a scenario where people were to arrive at the hospital and the reason why they didn't receive treatment was because an older person was taking up that bed. So they were really saving lives. Okay, it happens to be that obviously more infections happen. Maybe they didn't think about that. You know, I'm not, but this came from a good, a good, a good place. I, I just, I just want to just present this only because I feel it's important to, to, to present all different, all sides. I found this clip. A person died in a hospital or died in a nursing home. It's the people died. I wish none of it happened. I wish there was no COVID. I wish no old people died. Cuomo has faced criticism over a March 2020 state health department advisory that... It wasn't the exact... Who cares? He said, who cares at one point? For some reason, they didn't didn't play that. Who cares? Who cares? It's, you know, people died. I wish it never happened. I wish I could just wish away COVID. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people do. But I think that even if you, even if you move beyond this potential moral dilemma as to how to deal with young people versus old people, you know, I don't think we get to decide whose life is more important ultimately. There was massive failure, massive failure at the hands of the government. The president sent the comfort ship. It was there from the 27th of April until the 12th of June. Remember, they they said it's never going to appear in Rachel Maddow's face turned pale white if could if it could happen when it actually arrived at the exact time the president predicted he said within a week it'll be there no never gonna happen the comfort ship a thousand beds it was not supposed to be there, be there for for covid patients it was supposed to be there for other patients that way the hospitals could treat covid patients it maxed out a thousand beds maxed out at 182 patients so you know there are there are massive failures. I'm going to play a quick a, a, a quick clip of this is a quick clip of um, talking about the Javits Center because we have to realize one of the things I've I've discovered over this over this period is just how brilliant the founders were when creating each state as basically its own country. You know, while people say, oh, look at America's numbers. No, America is 50 different countries. You get to see what 50 different countries with different climates and different, uh, regions and, and you know, of, of, of all sorts of, all, all sorts of diversity, um, from, you know, climate, topography, people, attitudes. Vermont is a very left, as a very left leaning state. It wasn't always like that happens to be in the sixties. You know, the joke was you wouldn't find a Democrat in, in Vermont. It was a very right, which is what it happens to still be run very well, um, and for many, for many, for many reasons. But of course, Bernie Sanders is, is a senator of Vermont. Um, now, my only point is that you have a lot of diversity and the founders wanted to, to, to show the comp- power of competition in essence. Let's see which state is going to get it right. The more I, the more I think about this, you know, the more I think that there wasn't one rule for the entire country. There should be different rules for different parts. Different rules for different parts. Uh, you get to decide how you want and, and, and ultimately, ultimately, obviously you have to suffer if you mess up. There has to be that, 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 that drawback. If you're not, if it, 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 the problem here is that these governors never thought that they would ever see the light, they, they would never be criticized. I'm gonna play a, I'm gonna try and cut this down a little bit. 
But this is about the Javits Center as to how it also remained predominantly empty the entire time. As COVID-19 cases rise to over 2 million worldwide. Since last year. In, this is in, in April. This is April last year. Okay. Some Business Insider, which is not a right-leaning publication by any stretch. We'll get it eventually. It basically it discusses how it discusses how, despite the Javits Center being converted into a into a uh, temporary hospital, there were a number of failures. It wasn't able to treat. It wasn't had issues, logistical issues bringing patients there. There were a lot of failures. So, so I guess you know we can, we can, that's the gist of it. I mean, you know, even even once they changed those rules, even once they changed those rules, they still couldn't get they still couldn't get people people there. It was it was it was it was an absolutely abysmal um, attempt from the government. They 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 really messed up the ball. They dropped the ball there, uh, unfortunately. <clears throat> so so this is this is a a. Um, this is a very, a very serious, it's a very serious issue. You know, there, I, I believe that there were, that there were other interests that Cuomo may have had. I believe he may have had other interests. Uh, you think about it like this, he, um, you don't make as much money on old people as you do on young people that are sick. So it could be that there was an interest there. Um, for the hospitals, it could be that there was an interest to make more people sick in the in the in the in the old per- people's home. Maybe you know there are all sorts of liabilities that you get for old people that you have for old people. I'm not I'm not I'm just saying I'm not giving him. I don't know why he did what he did. I don't I don't know why. But the reality is, is that not every person did that. This idea that oh everybody's doing the same thing. No, not everybody's doing the same thing. There are 50 states. Many states are doing very different things. The predomin- predominantly, there are more states that are governors that are Republican, that are Democrat. They know that the that the media are watching their every move, and therefore they were going to take care of people. I think I think that's a great thing. I think that's a great thing. God forbid, you know, people unfortunately enter politics. They're not always of the, the highest moral character, especially some of these Republican governors. But the, you know what? When, the, when, the, when you know that the media is gunning for you, you got to make sure that you're, that you're doing the right thing. And, and the exact, exact opposite happens when you're a Democrat. Because, you know, the media is not watching you, you can do anything, anything. He received an Emmy. He wrote a book. Michigan from Whitmer had an inch, a different. She had a different agenda. She didn't just send the the infected old people to nursing homes. She sent young people to nursing homes. In fact, seventeen Democrats in the House of Michigan, the State House, as well as two in the Senate, signed on to the nursing home bill, which should have signaled to Whitmer that this wasn't a partisan jab. It was and remains a crucial matter of protecting the state's most vulnerable. Okay? And yet she, she said no. She said no. When they said you have to stop this, 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 they, they tried to limit her powers. Nope. She completely, completely circumvented them. 
So, separately, 13 House Democrats supported a strongly worded resolution calling on Whitmer to change her policy. More than a third of Michigan's COVID deaths have come from nursing homes, according to her. But that number is expected. Get this. She released that data, 34% from 420 nursing home facilities. It's not just nursing homes. It's any hospice care, any care for mentally disabled adults, any of these. There are four different groups. There are over 40, over 4,000 different homes in, in, in the state of Michigan. And she released only from 40, from 420 or so. Okay, so there are about 10 times the amount of homes. And she released zero data from any of those. So she released, so the whole, so we're supposed to believe that no one died in the other 90%, but 34% died in these, I mean, this, this, we're being gaslit here. And you could almost call this premeditated. You could almost call this premeditated. You know, we know that in the 2008 crash, the, the people on Wall Street knew what they were doing, but they were going to get bailed out. So they didn't care that people lost everything. They didn't care that people lost everything. What's the difference? What's the difference? They didn't care that people lost everything. <clears throat> this is a, uh, you know, we're not really going to be dwelling too much on the story. We'll, we know we're going to bring updates. This is it. This is the focus. We have to explain exactly, exactly what happened here. You know, and it's not as though, remember, Norway, uh, uh, Sweden, Sweden was attacked because it didn't protect its elderly into it, uh, as much as it as much as it it should have, but that's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as act as actively, <laughs> almost premeditated murder. The difference between protecting your elderly and signing a a an executive order, signing an executive order. That, that all nursing homes are forced to accept even against, even against CDC guidelines. All nursing homes are forced to accept the, the, uh, the, uh, COVID-19 patients. Each, yeah, California's came on March 30th, Michigan's on April 15th, New Jersey, March 31st, Pennsylvania's on March 18th. The legacy media deliberately cultivated a narrative that Democrats handled COVID-19 better than Republicans. What about Ron DeSantis? What about Ron DeSantis? What about his record? Hmm? How about this? Ron DeSantis has the second second highest elderly population and yet his deaths are 26 in the country. Some say it's the oldest state, some say it's the second oldest state. His deaths are the 26th in the country. Vaccination per state, he is the fourth. Alaska, Delaware, D.C., and Florida. He is president of vaccinations administered to seniors. Okay? DeSantis has taken care of his elderly. And he has been crucified by the media. May 6th was the first time 
de Blasio closed the subways. Could you imagine that the subways may have been a method of carrying this virus? I couldn't imagine such a thing. I don't know why they wouldn't have, I don't know why they even closed it on May 6th. They should have kept it going. They closed it for five hours to sanitize the subways in the middle of the night. Again, you have to ask the question, how much of this was premeditated? That's the honest question. You can give all sorts of reasons as to why. They may have moral justifications for doing what they do. Maybe people needed to get around so they couldn't just shut it down. I don't know. I'm, I, I happen to, you know, to a degree, I happen to agree with that to a degree. Right? I'm, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a fan of lockdowns. I'm not a fan of lockdowns. But because the media wasn't covering this, they were not making the right decisions. You have to have something to lose. You have to have something to lose. If you have nothing to lose, you have no credibility. If you have nothing to lose, you have no credibility. <clears throat> We're going to move on. The story it tears me apart. Tears me apart. We're going to move on to um, a little bit about the impeachment. We know the president was acquitted for the second time. The House is over two. Senate's over two. And uh, <laughs> for now, you know, who knows what they're going to try to do once you once you know. Maybe, I could totally see them trying to gin up another one, but we're not going to get into that now. Um, they got. They did. They did. They did. They did. Uh, they did fail. And I want to play a brief a clip because Vanderveen, Michael Vanderveen, who is, I think, a registered Democrat, okay, he took this on as a case because he's a lawyer and he believes that people are entitled to a defense. So, you know, we, I prepared a whole, I actually prepared to discuss it, but then it's one of the things that happened was I prepared a whole thing to discuss and then Chavez came. And they acquitted him. It was a little bit unexpected, meaning some people believed that it would happen, and some people believed that it would that they were actually going to go call witnesses. What ended up happening was was that the the, the defense said, "Okay, you want to call witnesses? We're going to call witnesses too." And so they decided they're going to. And, and at that point, at that point, they said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a second. What, what kind of witnesses are you going to call? We don't just want you to call." All witnesses. They were going to call Pelosi. They want to see exactly what she knew. They were going to call House. All sorts of different people. They said, "Well, one second. Let's take a step back. Do we really want to do this?" This was so. So in the end, so they they ended up acquitting him, and <laughs> most of that prep that I had that I had prepared, um, I, I I haven't you know uh, discarded. It's not you know it's it's on the side. We'll see where we can bring it up, but I'm not going to devote too much time to it because this doesn't happen. Um, I'll tell you one thing interesting. Alan Dershowitz said that. Maurice Raskin, his father, yeah, um, the, uh, the 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 house manager, the the one who's um, who was um, who was prosecuting the president. He his father was acquitted with the, because of a defense of the First Amendment. So this person specifically knows the one who's prosecuting the president. He specifically knows exactly the scope of the First Amendment, but that didn't stop him. From claiming that the, the president didn't have a First Amendment, we're going to play a little clip here, though, because because this is uh, this is how the media go, this is how they play. With a point that you're making right now this about the House managers, as you say, doctoring evidence, and uh, and the argument they didn't, de uh, they didn't to be deny clear for it. Viewers, they didn't deny it. Uh, I put it in for, front of them three times. To be clear times. for our viewers. 
what you're what you're talking about now is is a check mark uh, that's a verification on Twitter that that did not exist on that particular tweet. Uh, a 2020 that should have actually read 2021, um, and the selective editing you say of, of the tapes is that how is wait, that wait, the wait, doctored wait, wait, evidence of what you're speaking? Wait. That's not enough for you. That's not enough for you. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I'm not a juror in this trial. What I'm trying to be clear for our viewers is what what you're referring to. Because not everybody has been following. It's not okay to doctor a little bit of evidence. Respectfully. I have not said it is. I have not said it is okay. Ma'am, your question is I want to be clear for our viewers. Listen, what has to happen is I want to be clear for our viewers about what exactly you're saying when you say doctored evidence. The media has to start telling the right story in this country. The media is trying to divide this country. You are bloodthirsty for ratings. And as such, you're asking questions now that are already uh, uh, set up with a fact pattern. I can't believe you would ask me a question indicating that it's all right just to doctor a little bit of evidence. There's more stuff that we uncovered that they doctored, to be frank with you. And perhaps that will come out. So there you go. So what was these? What were these slight little things that they? So they added a check mark. What was the big deal? Well, why'd you add the check mark? Why are you covering up the data, murderer Cuomo? It is no big deal. So what? Some people died. What does it matter? What does it matter? Who cares? Well, why are you covering it up? Why did they add a check mark? For all those who don't know, on Twitter, if you have a check mark, that lends credibility to the statements. Twitter has verified you. They don't do it to conservatives. They do it to leftists. They don't do it to conservatives, though, by any near stretch to the same extent. They do it to the left. They give you credibility. So what does it matter? Who cares if we added a checkmark? Well, why did you do it? She claimed. She said, I, I don't have a checkmark. This person, she said, I don't have a checkmark. Could you imagine? Jennifer Lynn Lawrence. Jennifer Lynn Lawrence. She says, I don't have a check mark. I've never been verified on Twitter. So why did my tweet using the fact-free impeachment include a verification badge? I'm assuming Democrats faked it like they are faking the whole case. At Rep Swalwell. Why did you add a verified badge to my tweet in your in your presentation? You changed a year. What do you change? Like, you know what? It's like a ones column. You changed, you changed, changed a number in the ones column. That's all you did. You just changed the number in the ones column. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? You're going to send me to jail for 50 years because I changed the number in the ones column? Yeah, it resulted in, you know, X, Y, or Z. Change the one. Yeah, they, they, there was a tweet from 2020, uh, something that came in 2020, and they put a 2021 in an effort to attempt to connect it. And you hear what he, how he responded, Michael Vanderveen? This man has had a, over 100 death threats. His house was vandalized last week. He's a Democrat. He's given lots of money to the Pennsylvania Democrats. And now, what does he say? He says, you media are attempting to 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 gaslight the people. That's what you're trying to do. What is your agenda here? Where's your agenda here? Here. We'll give you another one. The... It's called the verification badge. I think it's called the, the check mark. It's called the verification badge. We'll give you another one. Remember this, this Brian Sicknick police officer. Well, we've been told that he was murdered 
by by the capital police by the by the by the, he's a capital police officer he was murdered by the people who stormed the, the insurrectionists etc 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 well the new york times who broke that story get this update new information has emerged regarding the death of the capital police officer brian sicknick that questions the initial cause of his death provided by officials close to the capitol police what questions it what do you mean questions it we were told that he was struck with a fire extinguisher he returned to his division office and collapsed the capitol police said in a statement he was taken to a local hospital where he succumbed to his injuries that's what we were told that's what we were told right he dreamed of being a police officer and was killed by a pro-Trump mob. With a bloody gash in his head, Mr. Sickness, Mr. Sicknick was rushed to the hospital and placed on life support. He died Thursday evening. Well, turns out that medical experts have said that he did not die of blunt force trauma. In fact, Mr. Sicknick had texted them one of his friends, on one, maybe his brother, Wednesday night, to say that while he had been pepper sprayed, he was in good spirits. It's amazing. So they tell us that he was killed. He lay in wake, whatever it's called. He was in the capital, and he was he was there and mourned by everybody. That all of a sudden they now care about their police officers, despite defunding the police. The, the, Washington has spent half a billion dollars in a month to to it with to, for the the cost of having these soldiers there, and now it turns out oh we may have just lied to you about that we may have just lied to you turns out he may not have actually died from a fire extinguisher to the head turns out he you know we don't really know what happened maybe that's the way it goes. That is the way it goes. And, uh, you know, we have to, we are allowed to question. We are, in, in, we are supposed to question. And we are, God gave us an intellect to be able to deal with the questions that we have. We are all afraid to question. I didn't have time for anywhere near as much as I wanted to discuss today. And trying to cram in three shows in one day. So we're going to be here, please God, tomorrow morning, bright and early. Bright and early. This is the, you know, this is, this is how things go. There's lots, lots and lots to talk about. Unfortunately, we didn't discuss anywhere near. Looking at the time now, I don't want to go, I don't want to go too long. I don't want to go too long. But, um, it's a very, it's a very, it's, it's, we, we, we cannot tell ourselves that because, because there's so much out there, there's so, there's because, uh, I don't know what's true, therefore I just believe them. What, what kind of logic is that? How does, how does that work? I don't understand the, the, the logic there. No, we're supposed to question. And when things don't make sense, we have to question further. And we have to probe and find the right answers. The answers, the answers exist. The answers exist. We know. We know what's going on around us. We know what's going on around us. For one last story here. There's one last story I wanted to share. Of course, we have to discuss the WHO said that there's that the Wuhan virus. It's been officially decided it came from, a, from the bats. Of course, of course, there's nothing to, nothing to look at there. So much to discuss. Where is this one last story I saw it earlier, a few minutes ago? 
This story about a guy. Oh, we're going to find it one of these days. Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll end off with this story then instead. How about this? So, um, you know, well, I don't, I don't want to end up with that because it's too much to discuss. Here, we'll end up with some quotes. We'll end up with some quotes from Joseph Goebbels. 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 You know, how do you pronounce his last name? Goebbels. Wikipedia said Goebbels. Maybe that's a German pronunciation. How about this? If you tell a lie big enough, he was the, he was the, uh, Hitler's, Hitler's propaganda minister. You know a little bit or two about propaganda. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. Sounds familiar? If you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe it and you will even come to believe it yourself. If you repeat a lie often enough, it becomes accepted as truth. Think of the press. These are all different quotes. Think of the press as a great keyboard on which the government can play. A lie told once remains a lie, but a lie told a thousand times becomes the truth. The masses need something that will give them a thrill of horror. It's another quote that's similar where, you know, where if you get the people, I couldn't find it, but if you get the people to fear something, they'll do anything. There's a quote like that. I can't find it. The essence of propaganda consists in winning people over to an idea so sincerely, so vitally, that in the end they succumb to it utterly and can never escape it. Everything is what you make of it, even yourself. And the last quote here that I thought I would share. If the day should ever come when we, the Nazis, must go, if someday we are compelled to leave the scene of history, we will slam the door so hard that the universe will shake and mankind will stand back in stupefaction. Stupefaction. That Those are some clip quotes from Joseph Goebbels. If there's somebody who knew a little bit about propaganda, unfortunately, he did. Question, question, question. That's it. That's all you have to do is question. You know, if you don't have any questions, it's a good thing. But if you have questions, don't say, oh, they must know. They must know. This has been the show, The Morning Mix. I'm Ellie Shapiro on realtalkisrael.co.il. We hope you have a great day and look forward to being with you tomorrow morning, please God. Bye for now.